Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Forged in the fires of undersoil heating. Stronger than the steel of a stadium roof. Their name is uttered in anguish and ecstasy. It's all about the football gods. All they can do is hope they're smiling on them. Never seen, never heard, but with ultimate power, these are the football gods. This week, everybody, hello. On Football Gods, we've got for you a stand-up comedian, a presenter. He's also an actor and a YouTuber, and he's a podcaster. He is host of a Crystal Palace podcast called FYP. So there is a lot of palace to come on today's episode of Football Gods, Tim. Mm. And uh, although you tried to drag him down with talk of palace miseries, you know, he was, Which, he was pretty fun and upbeat most of the yeah, time. Yeah, I did try to, yeah, I, I can resonate completely. I did try to drag him down a little bit, not that it was particularly difficult to do so. But yeah, some, some nice uh, palace memories, but also general football stuff and some good ideas for changing the game, actually in terms of what you might hear during a game and a couple of rule changes. Yeah, I love it when I guess have a, a real good think about their answers. Jim was great. Yeah, we went off on some flights of fancy, didn't we? And it felt like somebody, with all of these episodes, to be honest, it feels like you could talk to the person for another at least hour. But he really felt like he could dig into the, the weeds of exactly how we could make football right if he was football god. Because he wasn't just like, I'm going to make some some you know proclamations. He was like... I'm going to work this in. This is how it's going to happen. Yeah, he started off unsure about how to wield his power. And by the end, he was power hungry. And this is a familiar theme, I think, on the football gods. People just bloody love it, don't they? <laughs> well, here it is then. Let's hear from the man himself. This week's football god, Jim Daly. Jim, thanks so much for, for coming on Gods. It's, it's great to see you. Are you thanks excited to be... A god? Do you feel like this is something that suits your personality? <laughs> no. What's the what's the exact opposite of a god? That's that's what I would be. I've just come <laughs> back from the gym, which is why I look a bit dishevelled, and there's a lot of godlike 
statures in there and uh, i i'm not any of them so so no thank you it's nice to for once feel like feel like a god we'll see how this goes um so if we if we set the scene football wise jim who's uh who's your team yeah my team are, are crystal palace fc pride of south london and bane of my life <laughs> you're the second palace fan we've had on after kevin day a few weeks ago he had a real tale of woe to tell for, for, for a decent proportion of the podcast. Um, so we'll try and keep it light anyway. <laughs> I know Kevin very well. I've known Kevin for a long time. And uh, yeah, that could be his autobiography. I think Tales of Woe with Kevin Day. Um, <laughs> but he's a great guy, massive Palace fan. And um, I've shared a lot of Palace moments with him down the years. So uh, yeah, our Palace lives are in- intertwined. Well, we'll see if Palace comes up in our first proper question to you, Jim, which is... Is there a glory season or a glory sort of era or team of your life? I.e., who is the team of the gods for you, Jim Daly? So season, I think, is a stretch. The team of the gods for me uh, is over a three-month period from late 2001. It's the Crystal Palace team that was managed by Steve Bruce in the 2001-2002 season where we were incredible for about eight to nine weeks went top of the championship. We actually went top of the championship at Wolves uh, with an absolute belter from Jovan Karolski. I don't know if anyone remembers him, which I missed because I was having a wee just before trying to get in before the halftime rush. Came out to see everyone actually Classic. going crazy. Classic and it was an act- oh, And it was a belt. I smashed it in from the edge of the box, in off the bar. Like, it had all the all the assets, you know, of a great goal. Uh, but we went top of the league that, and I, remember, I still remember walking out of the ground singing where we are top of the league or we're going to win the league or whatever it is that people sing when you go top of the league. And then Bruce left for Birmingham about a week later or something and it all fell apart. But that, but that and you guys will know, I guess, for the teams you support, like that you're not used to glory. And there are moments where it all feels like you're living in a movie or a dream where you're like, oh my God, this is this is actually happening. We we are actually incredible, and like we're going to win the league, and we're going to go up, and we're probably going to get into Europe. Like this is insane, and then of course the other footballing gods, you know, my colleagues, take the rope from out, out from under you, and of course you're brought back to reality. Like oh yeah, no, sorry, we're Palace, we're absolutely terrible. I, I can't believe I even thought that that was going to be a thing. So yeah, I mean there are there are many other better Palace teams, many other better sides and runs and managers and players, but that three-month period and I was 17 at that point so it's right in the sweet spot of being a young fan and it was just yeah we were just incredible so good that's tough though isn't it because that's early enough in your palace supporting career where you think that is how things could be forever well you say that I think I'd even I think I even knew from a young age so my first game was 1992 (laughs) 1st of January 92 against Notts County Marco Gabbiadini scored and that didn't happen very often for Palace and it was I would say I would say my first game was I'd say the the very start of the decline of Palace in the 90s because we'd literally sold Ian Wright two months previous we got to a cup final two years before that we were we'd finished third in the league the year before and from the start of 92 everything fell apart. Wright went, Gabby Dean didn't score goals, Mark Wright went and slow. And within four years, we were in administration and nearly going out of business. So that's what I was like the first four or five years of my palace supporting life. So I had a really early introduction to the fact that we are a complete basket case and a shambles. And so I think I knew, I think that's why even like in that, in that godly spell of 2001, I think there's always that thing in the back of your mind is like, 
we are still a mess. We, this is Crystal Palace. Like something's going to go wrong at some point. But the thing about that spell is it it just allowed you to forget for a split second of who your team is, and the, and it's it's you know it's the hope and the belief that kills you. <laughs> <laughs> but but tell us, Jim, just give us a flavour of why that team was so so special. Who was in it? What kind of football did they play? Any other wins that you remember? The front two was Clinton Morrison and Dougie Friedman, uh, who had a fantastic partnership mm. uh, behind them Jovan Karovsky who was only here for a li- little time uh, we had Aki Rialati in midfield him of Guardian column Ooh. fame uh, who was very good um, we had Tony Popovich at the back uh, we had Jamie Smith at right back we had uh, I think our keeper was Matt Clark at the time although we also had a guy called Alex Kalinko at the time who was off his head the most famous thing he did at Palace was get punched in the dugout by Trevor Francis because he laughed and Palace conceded the goal uh, and then left shortly afterwards. So honestly, this whole time is just filled with absolute like, incredible <laughs> stories. But they, they, Bruce had got them playing really good football. That's the thing. And under the previous couple of years, I mean, we're, we're not really used to that ever at Palace, sort of flowing, free-flowing football. And he'd got them playing great football, a real belief in the team. We'd won 3-2 away at Rotherham on the opening day of the season, which I went to, never going back to Rotherham, um, after being 2-0 down. And there was a real sense of like, oh, there's something special happening here. And we beat Wimbledon 4-1 at home and Real Arty scored from 25 yards. And it was one of those spells where everything that they touched went to gold. Every shot from the edge of the box went in. Everything that they tried to do you know, intricately at the top worked. We beat Norwich like 3-0 in front of the TV cameras and Morrison and Friedman score a goal where they did like three uh one one two touches and then it was, it was insane football and it was just and it was at that time of the year midsummer late summer and the sun's shining so everyone feels better anyway because football in the sun is inherently better than any other time of the year and all the elements were there and of course like you got a whole season to get through so and obviously it it finished quickly but it just you know new young chairman new young manager great players in the team great football sunshine what more can you want? And we do need to end this story by saying what the conclusion was uh, to this season with Palace riding high. Uh, where did they finish, Jim, that season? Out. Mid-table, below a mid-table. I, I remember... T- tenth is the uh, tenth is where they finished. And, of course, where, where did where did Birmingham finish under Bruce? Oh, no. Just to really Did they go him. up that season? They went up in the playoffs that season. Oh, no. So, Brucey, you know... Could have been us. He did you dirty, but for him, I guess it, it worked out all right, right? Yeah. Good end, good end for the book he was writing. Bad to say, we'll wow. always have the books. Wow, we'll always Tim. have the books. Because yeah. <laughs> you always do this to our guests, don't you? Look, I'm just dealing in facts, right? You just got to, you know, people are going to be looking it up anyway to see what happened. But it really it just adds to the, the notion of this mythical team that never actually went anywhere, but for those few months. Yeah. Did it even exist? Did it even happen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Well, right. So the question then is, apart from smiting Tim Spears, what would be your first act on being appointed, anointed, made into a football god? What's the first thing you're doing, Jim? I would never smite you, Tim. You're unsmiteable, I would say. Thanks, um, Jim. We'll see. We'll see. The first thing I would do, I would allow Tannoy announcers to commentate on the game during games and everyone can hear it in the stadium. Okay. To add, Do you have any policies about the recruitment of those Tannoy announcers? Does that have no, to be like a vigorous and virulent fan? I think they could be the current Tannoy announcers. They could be the current ones. So it okay. could be it could be a sort of, you know, a 30, 40 year old up and coming media person. It could be an 80 year old chap who's been there his entire life. Uh, nice. I just think it would add yeah. a little bit of uh, flavour to uh, like when Sky Sports used to do um, fan zone. 
which I don't know why that's disappeared now, but um, adding a little bit of... Because there's so many moments during games where, like, you know, you just want someone else to say, that is a terrible decision, or that is definitely a red card, because you're thinking it, and the guys next to you are thinking it, but it's like a validation thing. Like, if you can hear it, or if you can literally hear it, it'd be like hearing it from the gods. If you can hear it from the sky. Like, it is like a footballing god coming in and saying, yes, <laughs> that is a red card. The ref is biased. Yes, I just think it, it would. In, it, it would just. It would. I think you know. It would uh, elevate everyone's footballing um, experience. And maybe not the referees, but I think it would elevate a lot of experiences of, uh, of most of us. Funnily enough, guys, I actually was a Tannoy announcer at Wembley, and I did Sorry. basically try to turn it into a commentary kit. Okay, we need more uh, info here. What was what okay. was the game? Yeah, keep going, keep going. <laughs> it was very, when was, it was this? Very early days of of my career, and uh, they sort of bigged it up. It was effectively just like a fire safety announcements gig, but I um I gradually started expanding the the remit. So I started doing team news, and then I uh, started bringing in little helpful tidbits and uh, like what and, what yeah. What, unfortunately, like I, what? Couldn't, I couldn't. It, like trying to do like match reports and all that sort of shit. What? And I, I couldn't. Obviously, I couldn't. I didn't have the power to put it. I, I couldn't like control it to go out during the game. Unfortunately, so mainly it was just like far too soon at the end before the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, so, what what, um, what what kind of games are you doing here? Like the big ones? Yeah, to championship playoff final, all that sort what of stuff. Hell? Yeah, but mainly I was supposed to like play music, which I didn't. I don't really know much about that. At that stage, but you've opened now up I'm a good informed a, about music. A, a kid, like, because again, like this Tano announcer, they could it it couldn't just be like, well, it could just be you know slagging off the ref and whatever. But if they could be giving out like tactical information, like man, you know, man over, like you know, like get back into position, whatever. Like obviously, it'd be heavily, heavily weighted towards the home team, and they, that and it does throw obviously, up, you know, yeah. should we have yeah. an away commentator as well? Should they both be on at the same time? Like obviously, I haven't really thought through this uh, that much, but. There's a whole scope. You put them either side, probably, wouldn't you? Yeah. Like across from each other. Face, and face to have face. To really, no, that's a problem because then they'd be like shouting each other down. Oh, no. Okay, go back to your way. That was better. <laughs> maybe they get. Like, maybe they get like a minute each. You know, like they press the yeah. a button and one of them gets a minute and then another person gets a yes. minute and then they you fill that minute by either saying well, what the previous guy like said was actually rubbish. Or, like a rap battle. Yeah. But, exactly. But with. In football games, yeah, actually, I think if they okay. if they made it rhyme, if they could add sort of rhyming couplets and stuff, then I think that would elevate it even more. That'd be fantastic. This sounds brilliant. They just need to learn to talk properly because some of them some of them just don't know how to really speak. They just sort of shout into the microphone, and so, so, and some of the there was a guy at Wolves who just could not pronounce any player's name at all. But yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with the notion. It could definitely add something to the entertainment value. Funny enough, actually, I used to do the tunnel announcements of Wolves as well, Tim. I don't know if you uh, you don't realize. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> um, I always thought that was just because the tannoy is quite hard to you know because you're sort of shouting and the acoustics aren't great. I don't think yeah, it's I mean, we we I, I, the journalist to me has to point out it's it's a public address system, you know. Tannoy <laughs> is the brand, not the. So, sorry, uh, <laughs> is it really? Oh, I didn't um, realise we were working for the BBC here. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like um, you know Hoover. People say Hoover instead of vacuum cleaner, but Hoover is the brand. You know what I mean? So Tannoy is the biro of of public service announcements. 
Yes. You're, the it's comments just... we're going to get on this episode from people, uh, I think you'll find it's public address system. <laughs> um, right, we must move on to football imperfection, Jim. Who's who's the ultimate football imperfection for you? This was the hardest one for me. I've literally got an entire list of players. I was obsessed with Italian football in the 90s off the back of uh, USA 94. So Roberto Baggio was my first sort of footballing love. Oh, yeah. Him... Del Piero, you know, I was obsessed with Italian players. And then moving on to Palace, like Matt Janssen was my favourite ever player. Unbelievable player. We've got Eberi Eze. Oh, no, well, you can You can do whatever you want, okay. but I'm just surprised to hear that that move there from Baggio to Del Piero <laughs> to Matt Janssen. No offence, Matt, if, you, if you're listening. I stand you know, by it. It's a very personal choice. Don't listen to Spears. <laughs> Haters going to hate. I, I, Haters going to hate. I stand by it. He was, anyway, anyway, I'm not picking a Palace player. I'm not picking a, an Italian player. The player for me that is footballing God is a current player. And that is Jack Grealish. Oh, and I'm trying to start I... a war with Steve Bull. Interesting. <laughs> I the reason yeah, I love yeah, Jack... uh, Steve Go Bull. On. Steve Bull sent Jack Grealish to hell so, some weeks ago. Oh, did so, he? Yeah, this is. Uh, oh wow. Is, what was his yeah. reasonings? Yes. Did what was his so reasonings? Uh, diving. Not not a fan of his play acting. Basically, didn't like him. <laughs> okay. Just wanted to start a war. I don't mind diving. I have been known to dive in my Sunday League career, and win penalties. So I I I don't like it. I don't love it. But you respect it. I respect, I respect the game. Exactly. I don't hate the player. I hate the whatever. Anyway, uh, so Jack Grealish. The reasons that I, I like Jack Grealish. Firstly, he talks like a normal person. So any post-match interviews, Ooh. he yes. talks like a normal guy. There's no media training with him. You know, when he post-match Champions League and he's crying. I love all, I love all that stuff. And he's sort of having a bit of banter with Micah Richards and stuff. Lo love that. Um, he's great with young fans. He's absolutely brilliant with kids. Yeah. He's yeah. so yeah, good absolutely. around the pit. Because he's, I saw John Oliver talk about this once on another podcast. He's essentially like a sort of a young man who grew up. He's like the sort of the big, like Tom Hanks in big, because he can't believe he's a footballer. Like he's just like so excited to be playing <laughs> football. And I think that's why he like gets on with like kids so well. But it's so nice to see like his connection to young fans is absolutely lovely. And his sister's disabled and stuff he does for disabled charities and that young family was doing the celebration in the world cup like he has a real connection to fans and i really like that plus he's a great player like he's a he's, he's a fun enjoyable player to never played for my team never will play for my team but he's a fun player to watch so yeah and i like the hair you know i wish i could grow that hair i have tried many times but do not have the hairline for it so he's a fun person to have in football and we, we need you know there's a lot of media trained and I, I understand why they do it footballers who want to train go home play a game and not talk to anyone and not talk to the press or do anything jack Grealish would happily sit and chat to you for hours because he is a fan and he's a person so yeah i'll stop eulogizing about jack Grealish, but for me he is uh he's a footballing god no i think it's a great answer you know and those cards um, oh, oh, well, yeah. those cards those, those, those are adonis adonis <laughs> style cards and he'd go on the piss with you as well not, yeah, yeah, he would. Yeah. Not to affect the he's great with kids thing, but also he can he can be, hang out with older he, people. You could too. hang out. With, yeah, exactly. He'd be growing a night out. I think it's a great choice on the sort of the the fact that footballers are so robotic these days, and like you say, he, he's he's the complete opposite, really. And the calves are a thing. I never really noticed how or why, but it came from nowhere during the Euros that people loved his calves. I feel like they should be, you know, immortalized in statue or you know. Whatever the version of a bust would be, but for the calves uh, somewhere because they're like so, that they're so iconic. like that Cristiano Ronaldo bust that's in you know Madeira, whatever. That's really terrible. We mm. could have like a Jack Grealish calves <laughs> bust that we. I guess a guy's had Villa Park when he retires, or um, I think that'd be absolutely yeah, fantastic. Mm. Uh, we are going from heaven to hell now. 
to find out who you're going to be damning to hell. So the Jack Grealish question was difficult, but it sounds like maybe you found this one quite easy. So my, yeah, the person I'm sort of banning to hell, I'm slightly worried this will come across in the wrong way and I don't mean, intend it to, but I'll just say who it is. The person that I'm banning to hell is, is Jesse Lingard. Not for the reasons that I think people would think, because I know he like gets a lot of hate. And that's actually one of the reasons I, I want to get rid of him from football is because it would reduce a lot of the Twitter rubbish you hear about Jesse Lingard. And I know it's like slightly less now that he hasn't got a club. But people just get so wound up about Jesse Lingard. And I actually think like, I wrote an article for, I can't remember who it was, an art, about this a few years ago. He's a young guy, let him have fun. Like let him do his stupid celebrations. Like he's just a young person. We would all have done it at that age. Like I'm sure I've done ridiculous celebrations since Sunday League on the rare times that I've scored. But the main reason I want to get rid of him is because I'm assuming it would also eradicate his winner against Palace in the 2016 FA Cup final. And if I can uh, get rid of that, right. smart. then I might... Yeah, smart. I mean, we'd be one all. We'd probably be going to penalties. But, you know, I might have witnessed Palace win an FA Cup. So that's that's the reason. I don't want to get rid of him because of all his celebrations and all that stuff. I don't mind. He can, like, crack on and do whatever. Uh, and in fact, there's, there's it's just how desperate Palace fans are getting in WhatsApp groups, what is it, like nearly deadline day, people are saying, oh, uh, uh, Lingard's out of a club, we should maybe, should we try and sort of chuck in sort of 50,000 grand or whatever? No way we can afford that and no way he's coming to Palace. But um, I think, yeah, Grealish for me has got to has got to be, mate, hell seems a bit harsh. Can I send him to sort of purgatory or something like that? I don't actually want to banish him to hell. Absolutely to? not. This is <laughs> This is the toughest question. <laughs> we have on this podcast uh, with good reason, but that's a good that's a good answer. However, yeah, how confident are you as as a Palace fan who's who's you know been through the mill? Would you would you really have won anyway? <laughs> I don't. I mean, my the the you know Journalist. how you've got two sides Asking of your the brain. Big questions. The logical side of my <laughs> no, the the illogical side of my brain is saying yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. We'd have because they were down to ten men. 100% the Palace fans would have roared Palace on and we'd have got a famous victory. But the logical side of my brain is like, well, when when matter equalised, I think that killed all our momentum at all in the game. So I think we probably would have limped through to penalties. And I think... So Jed this had, was in extra yeah. time, was it? The winning goal? Yeah. Remind me. Yeah, he smashed it in from 25 yeah. yards. It was, it, was, it was a great, great finish. Uh, but it was, it was sickening. Absolutely sickening. But that's Palace. Oof, blimey. <laughs> Sorry, it's a bit dark. It's like, that's a low note. <laughs> at least you're in at least you're in finals. At least you can at least you're competing. On the re- on the reg almost. I mean, you know. We had a run. We had a run from twenty thirteen yeah. to twenty sixteen. Yeah. We got to Wembley three times. It was playoff final, semi final. Yeah, it was great. It was amazing. We were starting to sort of, you know, get familiar with the place. Like it was just it we did, we were yeah. very lucky and, and that playoff final against Watford and then the semi against Watford again. Uh, no wonder they hate us. Two of the best days, best days out. And even the final was a great day out. It was, ju- it was just, and for that like three or four minute period where Punch and scored. Oh my God. It's like going back to that 2001 team. Like you just think, oh my God, we're going to do it. It's like 79th minute. We're going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to watch my team win a FA Cup. And for someone in my age, I'm You'd 40 this that. year. No, the FA Cup that. is like, I know like now it's You can't it's sort of, think that at any point. Oh. You just got to wait. No, no, you got to wait. I mean, you can't let yourself think that. You can't, as a Tottenham fan myself, you just can't ever I know. let yourself think you're going to win a game, let alone, you know. <laughs> but like, yes, and I know, yes, and yes. like put years. The, put and... the jokes, put the jokes about the trophies in the post. But yeah. But yeah. <laughs> years and years of like being battered, may, obviously like fills your brain at that point, but there's just a little switch that goes when you're like that close that, that, that makes you forget all that. 
makes you forget all the heartbreak and the trauma and everything that's gone before. And it, it's like men in black. It's like they do the little thing and they erase your memory and you, you're suddenly back in the moment. And all you can think about is we're going to, we're so close. We're going to do this. And, you know, I know there's a Palestine in the country that didn't allow themselves to do that in those four minutes after punching scored. But as you know, the rest is history. And where's he now? Eh? Where is he now? I'll tell you where he is now. He's opening a restaurant called Jerk Junction in Cheshire. Old Jesse Lingard. Uh, that's what he's up to, not playing football anymore. Oh, okay. Do you know what? Actually, hearing that information, I'm happy to banish him to I hell. I thought you meant Jason Punchin. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a other Caribbean restaurants are available. But yeah, he's, he's expanding his, his chain of Jerk Junction restaurants. There's one in Manchester. Now there's one in Cheshire. No, good luck to him. Good luck, good there you luck go. to him. That's it what he's up it to doesn't now. Sound like, it doesn't sound like you know football is, is happening anytime soon for him. But... Um, Good luck to him. So you, you you mentioned how this this uh, this would effectively banish a moment from history. So what moment are you going to wipe, uh, if not that gem, from your footballing history? So I was going to say Mark Goldberg buying Crystal Palace, which was the summer of 1998, when, I mean, that's a pivotal moment where we just, the next decade was horrendous. And we're only really now recovering from it now, 20, 25 years later. But the moment I'm going to say, as a proud Irishman, which I'm sure you can tell from my thick cork accent, mm. is Thierry Henry's handball against Ireland in 2009. Fine. Oh, nice. Good yeah. one. Yeah. And actually, I did. I started doing some research into that because I've actually got like the teams here. That Ireland team was not a vintage team. Like Sean St. Ledger, Glenn Whelan, Kevin Doyle. That team would have gone out in the group stage of the 2010 World Cup, like without a shadow of a doubt. But as a fan of a team like Ireland you don't especially in the 90s I remember my so my dad's Irish and I remember my dad who is a very stoic individual and never got excited or down about him be like a football player actually sort of just like kept a level I remember him dancing around the living room when Ray Houghton scored against Italy in 94 I vividly can remember him doing that because it was so shocking to me and that instilled a love of the Irish national team for me. And that was the best time to be an Ireland fan. Jack Charlton, some of those players, like the fans, everything around it. That World Cup was seminal for me. Absolutely seminal was my like football awakening. So just getting so close to a tournament, you know, it's 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 again it's like being a Palace fan. I think supporting Ireland is like supporting Palace of the national international scene. Like you're just constantly close and never quite there and 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 missing out is missing out like this to such an injustice. And I was reading up on it today. I didn't realise that apparently in the build-up to the goal, there was also an offside that they missed. So there's, you know, multiple reasons why the goal shouldn't have been, shouldn't have been given. But I just remember it being a sickener. Absolute. And the injustice. I think that's the other thing about football is like this idea of like justice in football is a real sort of strong narrative, I think, for a lot of us. And like you're fi- if your team loses 4-0 and you're terrible, absolutely fine. If your team loses 4-0 and every goal was offside, or two of them were penalties or whatever and they, they shouldn't have been that injustice can, can kill you for weeks for months for years like you can really hang on to that stuff so i think the idea that you can be so blatantly cheated against and miss out on something that could have been so fantastic it's like a double gut punch isn't it so yeah i'll never forget that i do like Henri. i think he's a great pundit but i, I kind of will never forgive him for that and it's not like they needed it as well it's bloody france it's not like yeah, you're so much the un- underdog in that. It's just the added unfairness of the whole situation. 
uh, you've answered the question I was going to ask really, which was whether, you know, every time he comes on to say stuff about va-va-boom, you're like smashing <laughs> TVs and all that sort of thing. But no, because like, annoyingly, you, you, he has You, you he see has him become, as a man there. He's become a good pundit. He's a really, really good pundit. And he's he's he knows his stuff and all the players respect him. And Oh, what a bastard. It's just, and he's so good looking as well. <laughs> there we go. There we go. He's got that. everything. It's not fair. <laughs> he's got everything. It's a good footballer, good looking, nice guy, intelligent. Come on, there's going to be, you can't have the, the whole, you know, the whole shebang. You've got to give us something, Thierry. So, yeah. Anyway, no, I thought I was over it and I, clearly I'm not. It's a bit like the, the Palace Man United Cup final, isn't it? France would probably have won anyway. I seem, I seem to remember like Ireland were under the cost that whole time, but it, obviously it's the manner in which it happened. It was, yeah. I mean, I was, I was livid as well. I remember at the time it was infuriating. Yeah, and, and, like, and it's, it's not, a, it's not a great team. And Leon Best, Stephen Hunt, Paul McShane on the bench. Like it's not, it's not a vintage Ireland team at all. So it absolutely, right, probably, possibly still would have lost that playoff, and certainly would have not done well in the World Cup. But it's just, it's just the injustice of it. I think that's why people are so angry about VAR now because. We were hoping it would eradicate some of the injustices of football. And actually, it's not. And it's kind of shone a light on some of them even more, put a, shone a spotlight on them. So I think that's kind of why people get annoyed by VAR anyway. But I do have a theory that I think... The AR mentioned on every single Sorry. edition of this podcast, by the way. Sorry. Yeah, someone has to get it in. I it's on, everyone, it's on everyone's minds. You know, I, I think it. it might be a yeah. record for the longest we've gone. Yeah, 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 to be fair, you've waited, okay. you've waited oh, some time, Jim. It's normally yeah, comes, up, normally comes up early in there. If we were going to get to the end, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. Okay. Um, go on then. Is this is this a theme that are you about to banish this? This is question six for you, Jim. What one thing would you banish from football? Okay, I've got a couple. Can I? I'm gonna. I mean, I'll, I'll save a few for when I get called up to Mesut Island discs. Uh, Mesut Island discs. I should. Well, I'm never getting called up now. Um, no, I've got a few. Okay. <laughs> so, um, co- okay, I've got com- commentators who call him Trent Alexander. Not his name. Literally not his name. Oh, so that nice. annoys me. Like you wouldn't call him uh Ainsley Maitland. Like just anyway, that that wind that winds me up. Um teams who tweet their team in non numerical order. Stop oh, confusing us. That's oh, brilliant. Yeah, annoying. Yes. Oh, just come so on. annoying. Do it in numbers. <laughs> It's so Stop annoying. It. We don't know where your backup midfielder plays or your number 23. Just, t- just put it in order. We'll work out the formation for ourselves like that. It's- and stop putting it in like fancy graphics. Like I, I, It has to look like, you know, aesthetically okay, but just give us the basics. So anyway, that's not even what I'm banishing. Um, the other one that I really dislike is players apologising for, for, for poor, poor performances. Like, like just all these like, all these like no iPhone nights. Like, stop it. If you play badly, you play badly. Like, it's fine. We all do badly in our job. Anyway, the thing that I'm banning um, is foul throws because they Ooh. don't matter. No one picks up on them. I've seen more foul throws picked up in Sunday League than I have in the Premier League. It, you can now throw the ball as far as you can kick it. I'm sure when it was brought in as to stop people like smashing the ball into, I don't know, throwing the ball into the box, whatever. It doesn't, they're just completely pointless. Completely point that you might as well do kick-ins like five aside it doesn't matter anymore people can throw it legitimately people can score goals and do routines from it they never get picked up on anyway foul throws are pointless kick them out of football wait so but strictly speaking foul throws are already 
are already banned. So you're going to just <laughs> sorry what, take them. I mean, people... it's a really good, it's a really, it's a really, really good point. <laughs> oh my! Wow, really I've been point. completely unpicked within seconds. That's, that's okay. That's embarrassing. I told you I make a terrible god. I told you not. Un- this is not. This is not <laughs> for me. God. Um, yeah. Sorry. Let people no, do what they want. Let, you can let, own it. Let people do what they right. want. Right. Let people do what they want. Like, cool. Let's do so kick-ins. anything. Like, any options you like. Yeah, let's do, let's do, maybe not kick-ins, actually, I might be, I might be uh, taking this God thing too far. Maybe, just no, let can't be taken far enough. I, okay, fine, kick-ins. Um, let's do, let's <laughs> use machinery, fuck it. Let's do like those things goalkeepers use for training where they fire it. Let, let, let's, let's put them in. Like, let's make every throw-in potentially a set-piece. Uh, that would be interesting. That'd, let's yeah, just see what happens. You get one of the, one of the, um, one of the things people use for, oh my God, I've lost words. What are they called? The little models of people that you put in when you're putting your, your free kicks. Mannequins. <laughs> you get to just pick one up and hit hit the ball in with it. There we go. Yeah, exactly. And that's what that. you want to do. Like, and that can become your thing. Oh, what? Have you seen Palace's pet set piece routine? Oh, they do the mannequin smash. Oh, the mannequin smash. Yeah, yeah, it's effective. That yeah, it's decent. But I, I think let them let people do what they want. Throw-ins inherently are boring anyway. So let's just like jazz up throw-ins and, and we can do whatever we want and get it in the pitch however you want. People, Teams will learn how to defend from it. You know, we'll have different phases of defending play and all that and everyone will get used to it. Uh, and you could, we could have some, you know, revolutionary interesting phases of playing goals. So yeah, let, let, let's turn it essentially into five-a-side. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Like it. Like it a I lot. Like um, from throw-ins yeah. to foods, what's your football <laughs> food of the gods, Jim? Um, so I ran through my personal trainer earlier before, at the gym, and he said um, <laughs> half-time oranges, <laughs> which is a fair point. Because that's a very you've probably already had that, I'd imagine. But like, it's a very football. I've never had orange slices outside of half-time at football. But I'm not going to say that. The thing I'm going to say is anything mm. in a pie. Anything. Mm. I only have hand-sized pies at football and i'm a vegetarian so uh it's only been the last few years i've been able to have one and actually at palace they do a really good vegan pie 
Uh, and I quite enjoy asking for it because it does turn heads. Even now, yeah, people are like, he's ordering, he's ordering a vegan <laughs> pie. You can order a vegan pie at Palace. It's actually really nice. They do a vegan sausage roll as well. But so if I ran a football team or if I'm a football god, I would make all the food at every ground in a pie. And it could still be the same stuff, hot dog, burger, like whatever you want, but it comes in a pie. That's what I would do. Burger in a pie. This is this is uncharted uh, territory. I knew um, we didn't need to get Heston Blumenthal on here. Uh, <laughs> did you? Does that mean you've had mac and cheese in a pie, or was that just an example that came to you? No, that, I haven't. Does sound incredible. It does sound incredible. I think mac and cheese is one of those things you could have it in anything. Uh, you you could eat it out of a shoe, and it would still taste fantastic. In fact, mac and cheese at Palace. They've recently appointed these fan advisory people. Um, like fans are going to like talk to Palace about like issues, or whatever. And uh, one, of the, I know the guy, one of them, Mark, uh, really nice guy. And he said, oh, I'll ask about like vegan options for you. And I was like, oh, brilliant. And he actually did. And they were like, yeah, we'll do that for Jim. Now I'm going to ask for, for mac and cheese in the pie. I can't believe I hadn't thought of that. I'm literally going to text him after this. So if you hear that Palace start doing mac and cheese in the pie, you'll know exactly it started on this podcast. You are so powerful, Jim. You don't need to be a god. <laughs> <laughs> That's the nicest thing anyone's ever um, said to me. Literally. <laughs> uh, talking of pies, I was at the Hawthorns on um, Sunday, my least favourite stadium in the world for for reasons, you know, purely of ridiculous football rivalries. And uh, at half time, because, you know, they give uh, food away to the press, they had little pies, tiny little pies, the kind of size I think that you're talking about, Jim. Uh, but it had the West Brom badge on the top. Uh. It had been sort of roasted in. Uh, and I hadn't, I'd only had a banana that day and I was really hungry. It's like lunchtime and I just, I just refused to eat it. Wow. Like, the thought of that badge inside me uh, <laughs> just makes me feel really queasy. West Brom inside you. You'd have, you'd have West Brom inside couldn't do it. you. Yeah. Couldn't do it. Yep. Couldn't do it. That was what went through my head. Couldn't do it. I mean, I just respect that. Do it. I, QPR as well, I think. I, I respect that as like, you know, a commitment to football rivalry. I, I'd have eaten the pie. I actually think when it comes to the older I've got, I've got less committed to football rivalries. There's a mate of mine's got a box at Palace. I started going in that and, oh my God, watching from a box is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It's next level. That You can cut this bit if you want. Like uh, I've got no street cred, but like, honestly, <laughs> that is unbelievable. So anyway, um, so I would, I'd have eaten the pie if I had a Brighton logo on it. You're watching the football. You're watching it in a box, Jim, now, as a god, it sounds like, to, to, to Tim and me. Who are you taking along? Hang on, that's exactly where a god would watch you it, would surely. Watch it. Yeah, or float. You just float above. Or you can <laughs> yeah. have it in, like, in a blimp. 3D. I'd have in a or blimp, a... in my god yeah, blimp. Yeah. That's, what, that's another thing I would do. I'd have my god blimp above the stadium. Um, or you can sit on one of the spider cams and just, like, zip around <laughs> to all the important bits. <laughs> That feels I that feels like I might get but a bit who's nauseous. With you? Anyway, sorry, yeah. <laughs> uh who's with me? Uh it's it's my dad. That's who is with me. My yeah. dad is the reason I'm a Palace fan. Um he's been a Palace fan since nineteen fifty four, fifty three, since he was sort of old enough to go to football. He's my whole football influence really, in not in just my team, but in the way I watch it, in the way I talk about it, in the way I think about it. He's a very analytical person. Uh, he doesn't attach too much emotion to it. So we always have great chats about football. He's a lovely, lovely bloke. He, uh, his name's John. Through me and the Palace stuff, his nickname that we have from at home, which is JD Senior, because both got the same initials, has started infiltrating into the Palace world. So now Palace fans will see him and go, oh, hi, JD Senior, because I've sort of known him through the podcast. And he loves that. It's so nice. It's so nice. And it's given him a connection to the football. 
it's top bloke and now i'm a dad myself i sort of can appreciate watching you know football through kids eyes i'm trying to get my daughter into football her favorite player is rachel daly because we've got the same name I, I, I'm trying to stress to her that Rachel Daly doesn't play for Palace, plays for Aston Villa. <laughs> Maybe sometime we'll go to, to Wembley and see the Lionesses and then that, that'd be nice. But um, So yeah, anyway, my dad's a huge influence on me. And yeah, the reason, not just that I'm a Palace fan, but I think sort of how I see football and life in general, really. So it would definitely be him. And we we sit together at Palace. We've got season tickets. Well, I'm actually slightly behind him. He goes with his best mate and they've been watching Palace together since like the 70s and they still go together. It's lovely. And I sit directly behind them. But sitting with them and chatting to them is is sort of the reason I go, to be honest. So, uh, so yeah, it, 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 my dad can join me in the blimp. That's lovely. What, um, what, what, what's it like when you watch a game with him? How do you, how do you differ as, as fans? I think I'm slightly more emotional, even though I, I'm very much someone who goes to a game and thinks, oh, well, I can't be bothered today or, or whatever. I I'm just going to like sit and like have my vegan pie and whatever. And there's something about the 90 minutes that gets you into it. And, and of course, by the end of the 90 minutes, if it's one of those like tense games, I'm still standing up and shouting or whatever. And dad does as well now and then. Like I've, I, I, I've heard him swear at Palace probably like five times maybe over my entire life. And that is a real moment. Like hearing him like drop an F-bomb or whatever. That is, I mean, we got in trouble for saying like bloody growing up. Like he was so hearing him drop an F-bomb. I've never heard him swear outside Palace on football ever. But he's very just like stoic and analytical and I enjoy the analysis of football. I'll watch any game at home just because I like watching football and I like sort of watching formations and stuff and I enjoy the analysis of it. And so I have a really good chat with dad about that. So we're not like ranters and ravers. We're not like chucking wanker signs at fans and players and stuff like that is not us. But I'd say we're committed. I mean, dad's been to thousands of palace games i'm probably like not far off he's seen every incarnation of palace since the 50s i've seen quite a lot since the 90s as well we've shared a lot of great moments we're both at wembley for that cup final with my brother who now lives in dublin who flew over for that so all of my best palace memories i can remember from pivotal moments nearly always involve him as well so it gives me an emotional attachment it's, it's why i remember things so well from football because i've got an emotional reason as well as like a footballing visual reason so, yeah, I just, I love watching football with my dad. I got, I got a lot of mates who watch it with as well, and they'll probably be the guy that I haven't mentioned them, but for me, it'll always be dad number one. Well, we're painting a lovely picture here. We're in pies, uh, we're in a blimp, uh, watching the game with your dad. Um, <laughs> what, what, what are we hearing though, Jim? What's your football sort of song of the gods? I, I think I haven't maybe been as creative for this one, because and I think going through this, thinking about dad and like the FA Cup final, so I've put Abide With Me, which is, which is beautiful and it is very FA Cup final themed and again like the memory of sort of singing that before the 2016 Cup final with my dad and my brother and the, my best mates we all managed to get tickets like next to each other it was lovely and like we all had tears in our eyes and it was just a beautiful moment and when it, even when I hear that song on the radio I think it was like Cup final last year I was listening to Five Live and it was sort of just they were playing it as part of the sort of build up to the day I was even sort of getting a bit emotional listening to it then so it really does something to me that song i think because i attach so many emotional memories to it so it would be that but i would like to also sort of state that i do like i've got quite a bad sense of uh sort of tasting music i do like a lot of the sort of cheesy terrible tournament songs that come along and i know that's like not something like a cool football fan would say but for example i really like uh vindaloo by fat les and it's and it's like it's objectively not a good song and I'm, I'm okay with to say, that. 
But it's fun. And it makes me think of like summers and tournaments. I think it was 98 that song. It makes me think of, you know, France 98. And just it brings back like just nice memories that I also like from the same year, I think. Maybe it's years later. Um, What's the Anton Deck one? No, not Anton Deck. The one that had the Spice Girls oh, in it. We're on the ball. No, not on the ball. <laughs> no. The other one. Top of the, we're on top of the world. It's the one that had the Spice Girls and like a couple of the indie bands and stuff. Like that's, it's quite a good song. I just, I, I I'm, I'm. You know, happy to admit that I don't mind the cheesy tournament songs and stuff that come. Oh, obviously, Three Lines and, and World in Motion. Obviously, no one will beat those, and they are top and they're, they're good standalone songs. But I do also like the cheesiness of of football of football songs as well. And I know that's not what you know any cool football fan would say, but I'm not a cool football fan, so it's okay for me to say that. Makes sense to me. As a fellow uncool football fan, I think uh, you should just lean into it. Yeah. Uh, we are at your final question. Sadly, one last one to go because this cannot last forever, but we've got to find out what game you would have lost forever, Jim Daney. So this one was actually pretty easy. It's Crystal Palace 5, Norwich City 1 from the 17th of October 1998. My memory was it was an unseasonably sunny day. I thought it, I thought this was more like August, but like look, researching it, it was later in the year. We had just come down from the Premier League. So we were in the midst of going through financial ruin. But we still had at this point Matt Janssen, the aforementioned Matt Janssen, my, my favourite ever Palace player. Attilio Lombardo in the second tier of English football playing for Crystal Palace, which is absolutely wow. mad. Sasa Churchich was still playing for us. We had uh, two Chinese players, Fan He and Sun Hai, uh, who went on to have careers in England as well. We had a great team. We had young players like Hayden Mullins coming through as well, who'd really sort of like made centimetre zone. And we just, we actually went 1-0 down. I think it was Ewan Roberts that scored or Craig Bellamy. I think Bellamy squared to Roberts. And then they just, uh, Venables was still manager at this point. Venables left possibly December. So we had Terry Venables as manager. It was a bright, sunny, late summer, Sellers Park. And everything kicked into gear. Janssen, Lombardo, we had a guy called Nicky Rizzo, Mullins. Equalising goal is a one-touch move that starts in our own half from Mullins. And they literally get it to the box in about six passes, including this no-look reverse pass from Lombardo that hits Janssen in the penalty spot that's so good the defenders aren't even looking the right way. And he smashes it in for 2-1. And then the goal just kept coming. And I went to that game on my own. So that was the first time I had a season ticket, I think. or Actually, no, even for a season ticket. The second half of that season, I got a half-season ticket with my mate Callum. And then after that, I got a full-season ticket with my dad and started going regularly. But again, I was 14. So a real sweet spot of like just obsessed with football. Went on my own and we lived in North Kent at the time. So a bit of a, you know, a bit of a day trip, like wasn't close. But everything about it, the excitement of going, the late summer sun, my favourite player ever playing for Palace, this like litany of stars in our team, this feeling like we're going to bounce back up. You know, we should be going back up again for coming down from the Premier League. This incredible football. The goals felt like they'd never end. You know, and and if we are going to make this game last forever, it's going to end up like fifteen thousand one. To we'll probably concede a couple, fifteen thousand ten maybe. But it was just, and I remember being on my own, sat at the back of the White Horse Lane stand. Just actually, the, it's a family stand. It's actually, if you come on the last row of there, it's actually the best view at Sellers. No, everyone thinks it's like the Homestead. Actually, it's a perfect view. And there was a guy next to me who was probably my age now, so late thirties. But I remember looking at him, thinking like. There's an old, old old boy next to me. And every time we scored, I couldn't hug anyone, obviously. I wouldn't hug this stranger, but we'd like we turn and look at each other and do like a 
yes kind of thing and it was just like really wholesome <laughs> really lovely he's probably like oh this kid's on his own so i'm just like keep an eye on him and it was just so nice i just like such a warm feeling looking back thinking about that that game and it's a random game we ended up mid-table that season didn't get promoted jansen left lombardi left venables left went into financial problem like whatever it was a actually looking back a bit of a catastrophic season and this game means nothing to anyone but it means everything to me and i i could i can see every single goal frame by frame and i just it gives me a w- warm feeling thinking about that game and it's just yeah perfect time for me well what a beautiful answer what a, what a lovely moment in time that was yeah, we've we've all been there. So it has to be sunny as well. I think that that, that makes it hundred percent. Yeah, what a lovely way to end your ten questions as football god, Jim. That was uh, that's fantastic. But before we let you go, um, we're going to turn those answers into commandments uh, and run through the football gods. Your ten commandments as football god. So uh, your glory team is Palace. Uh, 0102, not for the whole season, just for a, a good few weeks when you're top of the league before it all went wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, first godly act is to allow public address system announcers, not town noise, well, we could say town noise, uh, to commentate on games uh, and everyone can hear them. Yep. Football Imperfection is Jack Grealish. You're going to damn Jesse Lingard to hell, mostly because he scored the winner in the cup final against yep. Palace. Yeah. And a moment you're going to wipe from history is Thierry Henry's infamous handball against Ireland in the World Cup playoffs. Coming in at number six uh, is banishing from football, policing foul throws. Forget it. We're going to just yeah. let people do whatever the hell they want, devise their own plans. Your godly food is anything in a pie, possibly mac and cheese, as yes. provided at Sellers Park next season. Oh. Who knows? You're going to be watching it again, possibly in a blimp, possibly not, with your dad. Uh, the song is Abide With Me. And lasting forever will be Palace 5, Norwich 1 or... 20,010, as it will become, 17th of October, 1998, in the sunshine. What a selection, Jim. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's been a delight. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute honour to be on. And that's, uh, as with that Palace game, this whole episode's given me a nice warm feeling going back over those memories. So thank you so much. I'm off into my blimp. So I'll see you guys later. (laughs) Thanks, Jim. The Football Gods is a Voice Work Sport production. Sports Social Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.